This is the Eating Well podcast number six on carbohydrates for Tuesday, November 15th, 2005. The intro music is Groove It by Dennis Kitchen, part of the Podsafe Music Network, available at music.podshow.com. Check it out. Hosting for this podcast is graciously provided in cooperation with OurMedia.org and Archive.org. Our website is eatingwellpodcast.blogspot.com. And you can send us an email with your questions, suggestion, or feedback at eating.well at gmail.com. Thanks for your comments and support. We really like hearing from you. So before we get started, I just want to say sorry for the long delay. Uh, we had a, Both of us have had some big schedule shakeups. Uh, both of us have had some big shakeups to our regular schedule, and we did expect this and uh, had prepared a show ahead of time to release in that gap that we knew was coming, but in my excitement of getting it all edited and ready to go, I pushed the show out early, and I just, I don't know what I was thinking, but uh, I didn't do what I had planned to do with that. So we're back, and thanks to the over 200 of you that have subscribed to the show, uh, this is our first show in over a month. But we're back on track, and we plan to have more regular release schedule. So hopefully you enjoyed the two shows back-to-back, since there was a little lull. But uh, we're going to try to be more regular and get some good information out there to you on a consistent basis. So welcome back. Today's show topic is carbohydrates, the main energy source for our bodies. And you know, the low-carb fad has been going on for probably years now, I I was going to say several months, but there's low carb this and no carb that and people are really um, counting carbs. Just like we used to count fat grams or calories, it's now looking at those grams of carbohydrates on your nutrition labels. Regardless of what you heard about the dangers of carbohydrates, they are an important part of a healthy diet. Right. And, you know, it's up for debate as to how many carbs one should have per day, what percentage, how many grams, etc. But we need them. You know, they fuel our nervous system, which includes our brain. Um, the thing to keep in mind, most importantly, just to start right off the bat, is that fruits and vegetables are carbohydrates. Typically, when one hears carbs, they think rice and pasta and bread and things that, you know, in the white group. Yeah, yeah. There's, but you know, this low carb trend is everywhere. It's it's infected the uh, fast food market. They advertise that this choice is a low carb choice, and I mean, really, if if you're that concerned about your health and trying to improve your health and making better decisions, making the low carb choice at a fast food joint is not. You, you got the cart before the horse. The the trick is not to be at the low at the fast food joint picking out your meals. That's not a good decision-making environment to begin with, and it reflects uh, just a little poor planning and bad environmental control. And, you know, that's a a really good point. Um, By now, a a lot, if not all, the fast food joints are catering to our demands, and they're supplying good options, but typically we're not always choosing them. And so while we're talking about um, the, the carbohydrate focus... 
these places are offering a low carb option, which, um, you know, it's still going to be bacon and cheese and a burger. However, people are asking, well, if low carb is not the best option, why is this working for some people? Well, you have the bacon and the cheese and the burger on a white bun. So you take away the bun, you take away a few hundred calories, you know? So you're still going to be getting the fat and the extra calories um, with, with the insides, but at least you're minimizing the carbohydrate aspect of it. Right. It still comes down to calories in, calories out. Exactly. That's how you're going to control your weight. Now, your nutrition is another subject. You may not be getting adequate nutrition by cutting out all your calories. And that's kind of what we have this show about, is to help you find a nutritionally balanced diet and hopefully, if you're like me, you're trying to lose some weight and you're able to do it by having good nutrition. Right. So just as an introduction to those of you who don't know a lot about carbohydrates, we want to just talk briefly about simple sugars and complex carbs. So simple sugars essentially are broken down very quickly in the body to be released as energy and utilized right away. If one does not use it as energy right away, it then becomes stored as fat. And that's just a biological fact. That's how it works. That's how it works. So essentially, yes, if you're not using it as energy right away, it does then store as fat. Okay? Um, simple sugars are those that taste sweet, like glucose, uh, which is the primary form of sugar stored in our body as energy, fructose, the main sugar found in fruits, and sucrose, which is common table sugar. Right. Right. So that's just the brief breakdown of sugars, um, the simple sugars, excuse me. Now, when your body ingests carbohydrates, they get turned into sugar, right? I guess we should use the term converts to. Are you saying glucose? Well, if I eat a whole bowl of rice, mm -hmm. the carbohydrates in that is going to be turned into sugar quickly. So it breaks down into sugar. Right. It's okay. digested into sugar, which goes into the bloodstream. I guess I have a funny feeling of the whole term turns into, but it does break down into right. glucose. Right. It's digested into, it's broken down is what it yeah. is. It's so broken down eat, into sugar. Yeah. So if you eat some rice and if you're not using it as energy, the carbohydrate portion of the rice, you're not using it as energy, um, it breaks down. Well, uh, first of all, it breaks down to glucose. You right. use it as energy or you don't. If you don't, it gets stored as fat. Right. Yeah. And so that's kind of the problem with having a big bowl of rice. It's a lot of calories, which get turned into sugar in your bloodstream, and you have to use those calories, that energy, or it gets stored as fat. And not only that, but it causes a immediate spike in your insulin secretion, and then you crash. And that's part of the definition of the simple sugar. Right. It's very rapid. Very rapid, exactly. Like we talked about on our last show with fiber, you can have a similar serving size of rice, however, being brown rice, but you throw the fiber component into it and it changes the cycle completely. Right. Now, there is a legitimate use for uh, adding a simple sugar for nutritional purposes, like uh, high-performance athletes. Oh, yes. They'll, they're gonna, they know that they're going to use that energy uh, for like a marathon. Right. They know that that energy is going to get used, and their body is at a state where it could really use that energy. Yeah, so they carry around these little pouches of goo and just squeeze it in, and it just is used as energy right away. Right away. Yeah. What's the catch with that? Do you have to hydrate along with that? Uh, 
in a high-performance environment? Uh, that's a good question that I don't know a lot about. Even though I work as a personal trainer, we do focus on strength training. I don't work so much with marathon runners. But uh, you do have to hydrate regardless. Um, right. I don't know if it's necessary to break down this goo product, mm-hmm. and that's just the brand name, but there's lots of options out there, um, if it's necessary to increase your water intake. But running a marathon, you have to keep the fluids coming in, yeah. the electrolytes as well. I am not a high-performance athlete. I'm a barely, a just a minimum athlete. Yeah, I, me too. I think that's why we don't have any problem <laughs> getting sorry. adequate water in. You know, drink water all day and, and um, eat your fruits and veggies, and we don't have to worry so much about the... You know, tubes of carbs, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and gallons and, of water. Yeah, high protein bars, and you know, all of these performance foods. But you know, maybe in the future we'll do a show about it. Yeah, you know, if you have a good source of information on that, you should send it to us. Absolutely, we, we'll take a look at it. So we kind of, um, we, you know, we just reviewed simple sugars. So let's now just move on to complex carbs, which are the ones we really want to focus on anyway. Right, and. These are the fruits and vegetables. They have fiber in them and, generally speaking, are much healthier for us than a lot of the other foods that are available. I mean, generally speaking, if you look at, like, the healthiest foods, fruits and or vegetables are going to be in your top 20 list all over the place. And, you know, you really can't go wrong. Unless you have some kind of um, health ailment like diverticulitis or something that really causes you to limit certain fruits and veggies, or you're overly concerned about, um, and I shouldn't say overly concerned, if you're concerned about pesticides, then, you know, you want to wash them really well. But other than that, you can't go wrong with fruits and vegetables. And diabetics have to be concerned about glycemic index of some fruits. But, you know, that's something that you're going to have to look at uh, for your own life. You you know what your situation better than we do. And generally speaking, most people are going to be okay by increasing their fruits and vegetables. And, you know, there's a lot of research that goes back decades that you know, all health, all health professionals will support, which says that fruits and vegetables lower the risk of most cancers. They lower the risk of diabetes, hypertension. So it's good for heart health, digestive health, energy. You just can't go wrong. And we've known from a very young age that we should take in at least five servings a day. Right. That's, that's age old wisdom. Meet your fruits and vegetables. And you know, a lot of people have fiberless cereals and grains where people get a majority of their carbohydrates, which are pretty much empty calories. Does that fall back into a simple sugar, these fiberless cereals? You know, it actually does count as a complex carb, but I typically remember it as a simple sugar because you're not getting the same, we're not getting the same quality of energy we're looking for, Um, but they are considered a complex carb, but uh, we should not necessarily take them out of our diet or focus too much on limiting them. However, there are better choices. There's, there are better choices. You know, you might as well throw in some whole grains and some cereals with fiber to because get the most bang for your buck. That's right. You get the most bang for your buck if you stick to something that's got fiber in it. And it has on the label, look for dietary fiber. We need to do a, a label, dietary uh, nutrition facts label. Note to self. Note label to self. Reading. Send us an email with your questions on it. All right, so you had mentioned a moment ago about the glycemic index, and this is a question I actually get often with um, patients with patients and friends who are interested in health management and weight loss in particular. And my, my common answer is to not be so concerned about glycemic index. The people in general that 
want to concern themselves with it are diabetics. Right. So, for example, white bread has a high glycemic index. White bread will convert into blood sugar almost immediately, resulting in a rapid spike. Right. And so I should just uh, mention also that the glycemic index, like some of you out there know what this means, others may not. Essentially, it me- essentially it measures how fast and how high our blood sugar rises after consuming a particular carbohydrate. So Steve's example of white bread was a perfect one. It converts almost immediately, right. which is what we're not looking for. Right. And your body's reaction to that is to release insulin, Yeah, your pancreas immediately uh, excretes more insulin than it needs to. Well, it needs to do it to bring the glucose level down, um, but you're overworking your pancreas. Right. And it has to bring your glucose levels back into normal range. Right. And that results in a crash, and you feel terrible and sleepy and not good. And that's kind of what they refer to as the sugar high. So you might have candy or rice or, you know, pasta, and you you notice after a short time, you feel tired. You know, you feel full because of the volume that you eat, but very soon after, you feel pretty lethargic. Right. And on the other side of this, a better choice would be to compare it to brown rice, which has a very low glycemic index, or a lower one. Yeah, and you know, we're mentioning this example again because it's a simple one to remember. If you can get a comparable food with fiber in it, you're going to have a better quality carbohydrate. And that's really what we're kind of talking about, is to take a look at the at the high glycemic index foods and the very simple sugars and the, very, and the simple sugars in your diet and try and trade them out for better choices. And one of the earmarks of the better choices is they have fiber. And, you know, um, you, ha- you make a good point to look into these particular components. Um, however, a lot of people aren't going to be so concerned with glycemic index. We just want to let you know that this is an option to look at when you're focusing on carbohydrates. The information is readily available. But if you don't want to concern yourself with these kinds of details, please do not go and drive yourself mad with extra numbers because we still are looking at, uh, which is what Steve mentioned earlier, calories in and calories out. If right. you have that mastered and you want to go a step further, especially with carbs, then you want to look into glycemic index. D- a really good uh, database reference for this is www.glycemicindex.com. And we'll put a link on the website in, in the show notes. You know, just on a side note there, I'm not sure why the iTunes notes isn't working in the RSS feed. I, I don't know. I don't know enough about it to try and troubleshoot that. So if we're talking about something and we're going to put a link up, come to the website. You'll see it there. It's a nice, easy-to-click-on link. And one final thought um, just regarding this topic in particular is that more importantly to our body, if you're interested in glycemic index, is actually glycemic load. So once you start looking into it, you'll realize that food combining and the total cons- the total compilation uh, from the index is more important than a glycemic in- index of a particular food. So you might have heard out there that carrots, you should avoid carrots or potatoes or certain things. It's just because they're higher on the glycemic index. And so with food combining, you can kind of uh, schedule your glycemic, uh, your glucose level. You can sort of uh, schedule your glucose level so that you get a nice even rise and fall. Regulate it. You can regulate it. Yeah. And so once again, if you're not so concerned about the details of this, no, no need to worry. 
just realize that the bottom line, we should focus on bringing in, you know, whole grain brown rice, whole grain breads, whole wheat pasta, which you can even get out there um, in its as an option as whole whole wheat pasta or even half and half. If you're right. not so used to an earthy grainy type of option like that, you can get a half and half version. Um, but not necessarily focusing on what to eliminate, but how to replace it to get a better quality product. Right. And we have a few tips for how you can replace them and how you can make the switch to some better options. And that would include eating the whole fruit or vegetable rather than just relying on their juices. And that includes things like oranges and grapes where people really have a, a, a fanfare associated with the juice but don't always turn to the fruit itself. And even in that arena, you can get a really nice quality juice, which is just pure apple juice or pure orange juice. But even that, you've taken away most of the fiber and you're getting a concentrated serving of high sugar and high carbohydrates, even though it's from the actual fruit. Go right. ahead and just eat the fruit. We also have on the other end of the spectrum uh, products out there that are called juice, but they're water with some kind of juice flavor added, but the primary component is high fructose corn syrup. Right. Look Pure at your nutrition simple labels. Sugar. That's simple sugars. So just to sum up the juice tip that we gave you, um, if you really like juice or your kids are drinking juice, you know, enjoy it, but in moderation. And I recommend that you volumize by doing half and half, half juice, half water. Because you still get the taste of the juice, but you're saving a lot of calories as well as grams of sugar and grams of carbohydrate. Yeah, I like the whole notion of volumizing. You know, you take something that's very concentrated and expand it, make it a higher volume, you consume less of it. We're going to have to do a show on volumization also. Yep, volumetrics is an awesome principle out there. Well, what about my favorite, potatoes? You know, this is my general rule of thumb. When people ask me, well, how about potatoes? I hear potatoes are not so good. My generic answer is every other day at lunchtime. That should be your maximum. Try not to eat potatoes at dinner because what we do is we come home from a long day, eat a baked potato, uh, watch TV and go to sleep. So if you're not using up that carb as energy, it gets converted and stored as fat. Um, so bottom line, a really good low-carb diet, if you must you know, rely on that term and you want to adopt that lifestyle, is essentially to include plenty of fruits and vegetables, whole grains if you're going to have grains in your diet, which we should, choose quality options, and these three combined should be the bulk of one's calories. So that's fruits? veggies and whole grains. Yeah, I know I throw fruits and veggies together so often, but yes, fruits, vegetables, whole grains. And uh, that's pretty hard to shoot down, and no matter what diet you're looking at. Yeah, any health um, professional you ask out there is not going to argue with this. The one thing you'll want to add to this, which we've already talked about in a previous podcast, is lean protein. Right. So fruits, vegetables, whole grains, lean protein. That's what we really need. Those are the core ingredients of healthy nutrition. Yep, eating well. So there, we're now going to give you a couple of easy ways to increase your consumption of whole grains, and this is one of the this is one of the marks, like we said, this is one of those three that that trinity. One of my favorites is starting your day off, especially in the winter time, with a bowl of oatmeal for breakfast. For breakfast, I mean, you can do it any time, but it's very satisfying. It keeps you full for several hours, like we were mentioning earlier. Keeps that you know glucose level pretty regular and stable. And throw in a little bit of fruit in there. Even yeah, better. Even better. 
high fiber cereals like the Kashi. I think we both like that uh, Kashi and the Goline and some of their other products. Excellent. So yeah, uh, at most conventional grocery stores by this time, Kashi name brand is available. They have several different uh, varieties of cereal, but every one that I've seen so far is a good quality product. There's puffed rice and Go Lean and Go Lean Crunch, and they have all kinds of great options, but they're all containing whole grains. And uh, if you're looking for bread, a lot of people, bread every day, every day item, you're going to look for a whole grain bread. And one of the measures you're going to have to look for on the label is with three or more grams of fiber per serving. You know, this is a big one. Um, people come to me all the time and say, well, wheat bread. You know, I should just start choosing wheat bread. And like Steve mentioned, you have to actually look at the nutrition label and see that it has fiber in it. Because some labels will say wheat bread, but they just added brown food coloring and it's brown bread. It's not really wheat bread. And uh, it's it's not really a good source of carbohydrate. Do you have a favorite wheat bread? I know that you're not a big bread fan. Well, I, I take that back. You choose not to eat a lot of bread. <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly right because I am a big bread fan. I choose not to keep it in my house very often and eat it very often as well. A couple of years ago, I did um, a walk with the Heart Association, and they introduced me to my favorite bread, which is made by Milton's, and it has five grams of fiber per serving. That's high. That's very high. And it's not too earthy. I know I, I refer to things as earthy a lot kind of like twiggy and grainy and seeds yeah. and but it's actually a nice soft bread that still has a nice texture to it that's that's a remarkable product i'll have to try some of that delish and we we did mention this before but white rice is kind of like uh it's the classic bad carb right well yeah i mean it's a step above sugar that's right. for sure because you're getting some nutrition but replacing it with brown or wild rice and and my favorite you know we've talked about convenience foods and i think we'll probably talk more about it in the future but rice takes a long time to cook yeah so available now is frozen brown rice. You just pop it in the microwave for a few minutes. And I've seen a commercial recently. haven't tried it, but I think it's Uncle Ben's. They actually have one. Yeah. You cut the top off and perhaps microwave. Yeah, I, I have tried the Uncle Ben's one, and it's ah. very good. Is it? Yeah, it's very simple. You know, um, the package is a little deceiving. They try and make it look like it's a much larger portion size than it is. And I believe on the one that I tried, it was one packaged for two servings. So just keep in mind that when you're looking at the calories, you're getting twice what's on the label because you're probably going to eat both servings. Do the math. Do the math. Pay attention to your label. One thing I want to say really quickly about white rice is that um, another common comment or question I get is, well, if white rice is so bad... Why is the Asian population so healthy if they eat white rice all day long every day? Right. Well, right? it's a legitimate question when it you is. look at what we've just said. Yeah, it is. But I have to just give you a brief answer is that they do a lot of walking. They move their bodies around a lot more than we do. And they also eat a lot of fruits and vegetables and lean protein. Not a lot of fast food. Not a lot of breads and pastries and candies and those extra calories that we we come across but so they're moving around and balancing it out really well with fruits and veggies and lean protein right you look at where these the lifestyle these people lead and that's really what the difference is it's not so much that well the rice is a big secret now the rice is there that's true but all of the the, the cumulative effect of all the other lifestyle differences is what really is making the difference yeah they're using it up as energy and the last thing we kind of already mentioned is to try whole wheat pasta. Just to let you know, even 
as much as I like whole foods and I try to lead a, a you know whole grain type life, it took me a while to adjust to whole wheat pasta. Honestly, it's it's an acquired texture and taste. So you know, like I mentioned earlier, mix together the the half wheat, half white to start getting used to it. But um, I think you'll like it once you get used to it. Well, it is. It's a different texture, and it's. In a traditional dish that, you know, it, it's something that you come to expect a certain sort of pasta or texture in something like spaghetti or lasagna or something like that, and it's going to be a big difference if you just go, switch right off the bat and don't tell anybody or something like that. Just say, look what I did. I switched, and right. no, people aren't going to be happy with you. And, you know, if you're a regular pasta eater, this is going to be important. If you're not, and this is a once-in-a-while treat, enjoy whatever pasta you like. Our problem is when we go to a restaurant, they serve us several cups, um, cups and cups beyond what we really need to eat at one sitting. So when you're so when you're at a restaurant, you, you kind of need to be mindful of portion control, especially with this type of food. You know, uh, at, restaurants are notorious for delivering far beyond what you're what you should be eating. It's a buy some and get tons, right? And you know, this is a really good mental note to make as well, that we should have an upcoming show on portion sizes, and we should have a show coming up about restaurant eating, how to eat out in the real world and still maintain one's weight. Right. Very, very good show topic right there. And so now, in the news, CBS is reporting that, quote, diabetes has become such a pressing healthcare concern in the United States one in three kids will be diagnosed with the disease at some point in their lives. I heard this. I heard about this recently as well. The article goes on to say that in the in the first of a three-part series being run on the early show about diabetes, medical correspondent Dr. Emily Senye, I hope I'm saying that right, says the majority of people who have it suffer from type two diabetes which develops over time when the body loses its ability to process insulin and regulate blood sugar. Most type 2 diabetes cases develop as a result of obesity. I know that when I was severely obese, I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and I uh, required you know, monitoring of blood sugar and insulin injections and it's a, it's a real phenomenon that is affecting a greater and greater portion of the American populace. And, you know, we're hearing more and more about this in the news lately, you know, over the past few years. And, and we really have, uh, we need to be concerned about the epidemic in our country, about childhood obesity. It's clearly out of control. Within the last year, I read a study that always comes to mind when I talk about this, which is there's two things that really contribute primarily to childhood obesity. Um, drinking two or more sodas a day. And either watching television or playing video games for two or more hours per day. Right. So our kids are not out there riding bikes. Um, they're drinking a lot of sugary soda and sitting around either playing games or, or sitting on the computer or watching television. Um, not a good combination. Right. Uh, more from that article goes on to say, uh, according to the latest figures for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, 208 million Americans now have diabetes. That's 7% of the population, an increase of more than 14% since 2003. And they're saying that it's going to surpass, um, uh, excuse me, it's going to surpass um, cigarette smoking and heart disease. 
Uh, as a mind. cause, as a leading cause of premature death. Actually, obesity itself I is see. going to surpass heart disease as the number one cause of premature death within the next five years if we keep going at the rate we're going at now. Very and scary. One of the most disturbing parts of the growing diabetes epidemic is that nearly a third of these Americans of this 20.8 million are undiagnosed. They don't know it. Their doctors don't know it. That's pretty alarming statistic to me. Um, I shouldn't be surprised though because you know we don't like going to the doctor. We know we're overweight. We don't want to go to the doctor. Get some more bad news. And be told that we're overweight and let's start right. taking care of it because it's easier not to. Well, it came as a surprise to me. I was severely overweight and then when the doctor said you have diabetes, I was like, ah, come on, you're kidding. Diabetes? I just, I, that's, uh, you know, I'd have a bump on my head or something. There'd be some way of knowing. No. You don't necessarily show symptoms and signs of it until right. um, it might be too late. A well, good friend, I shouldn't say that. It's never too late. Now, a good friend of mine was has got a real problem, and he didn't even know. His blood sugar was up 200, 230, something like that. That's incredible. And he had no idea. Yeah, you don't typically um, see symptoms of glucose being out of whack unless it's too low. Right. And you go into a diabetic coma. And you feel really bad. Yeah, that's bad. And the next story we have is from the NPI Center. They're reporting on the Natural Marketing Institute's 2005 Health and Wellness Trends Report with a topic of consumer awareness of the key differences and benefits of low-carb versus slow-carb is on the rise primarily due to blood sugar control issues and diabetes. And a slow carb is, uh, I guess, their terminology for some of the healthier topics that are some of the healthier choices we were describing. Yeah, keeping one's blood glucose level at a nice consistent level rather than spiking. And having the insulin response and the crash. And then the crash, exactly. So, quote, with the incidence of diabetes increasing, NMI's 2004 Health and Wellness Trends database also found that in order to keep their blood sugar stable, 24% of consumers have added some food to their diets, while 33% have avoided some foods. In addition, almost 4 of 10 state that it's important for stores to have food that can help manage blood sugar. Traditional low-carb brands are beginning to re- reposition themselves based on the fact that 25% of low-carb dieters are diabetics or others looking to manage their blood sugar. Consumer awareness of such terms as net carbs, ketosis, glycemic index also showed breakthrough levels, end quote. So you can count yourself among the informed, remaining aware of how foods affect your blood sugar and, and choosing your foods wisely will serve you well. If the NMI report is correct... It may become a bit easier for us to find these slow-carb, to use their terminology, options on the grocery store shelves because they're going to start marketing that that idea or that, that name. It may even convince some food makers to reformulate their products to be somewhat healthier, much along the same lines as we expect many food makers to cut out the trans fat once the labeling laws we mentioned in previous shows take effect next year. And you know, while you're while you're going over this, I'm thinking of the brands that I'm already seeing out there, and this is happening at the conventional grocery stores, not just the health food stores, but in the way of low carb tortillas. There's low carb coffee creamers. There's low carb uh, pastries. There's a whole low carb bagel shop that recently opened up. But keep in mind, as you all know, by the end of this podcast, 
every store out there has fruits, vegetables, and whole grains. That's right. So they are available. Your low your low carb options and your slow carb options have been around. This is nothing new. It's no scientific breakthrough. It's just that the marketing people are becoming the marketers are becoming more aware of what you're paying attention to when you go shopping. And there is no stamp on the side of a watermelon or on the side of that apple that says, Hey, this is a great slow carb option. <laughs> I bet it's coming up in the near future, though. <laughs> well, you're going to start seeing this. If this if this uh, report is right, you're going to start seeing it on the shelves and in your advertisements that, yes, this product has carbs in it, but they're the good ones. That's right. right. The good carbs, the net carbs that we're all looking at. Right. Oh, great. Okay, so basically, um, I just wanted to add one thought, which is that, you know, Steve and I talk about things that we believe are... Um, factual, we live the principles, uh, we apply things that medical professionals agree on out there, but there's always going to be someone out there who's going to disagree with us. Oh, absolutely. And that's going to be the case for any health professional. So the reason I bring this up is because on my drive to work this morning, I heard a, a radio show with a guest speaker on talking about his ideals of quote unquote eating well. And um, I was really irritated and he was saying, you know, well, this doctor says this, and this medical journal says that, and, you know, maybe that was the case. Maybe this information was out there, but you can manipulate it into anything you want it to say or to right. come across as. So my recommendation that I want to throw out there is that when you hear something that a doctor says or a medical journal reports, you know, cite the source, who funded it, how many participants were involved, the duration of the study, and... um take some things with a grain of salt. If you think that it's too good to be true or if it's something that you'd like to hear to, you know, continue eating crap to, right. you know, for health, um, it's probably too good to be true. Right. And, you know, it, just because somebody says it, our case included, mm -hmm. just because somebody wrote it doesn't make it mm -hmm. true. So clearly we believe what we're saying is true. We're living <laughs> if, it. If you don't like it, please feel free to call in, write in, send us questions, feedback, comments about it. But yeah, we live it. This was this is clearly working for us this and it is, has been for years. This is what we're doing. Yeah. So anyway, I just had to put that little plug in there and say that um, there's a lot of controversial information out there. So be wary. People with ulterior motives, pay attention. If they're trying to sell you this, like you know, little pill that you can take to fix all your problems, probably too good to be true. And if they're trying to sell you information or a special deal, or they got some other, you know, uh, great secret that they want to sell you, even something's if they, not right. Even if they say it's science based, and this doctor says this, and you know, most people agree, like just be wary of those catchphrases as well. So be sure to listen in next week when we talk more about eating well for Turkey Day. That's right. And that's all we have. Take care. Be well. The closing music is So Funky It Stinks by Furious Ball, part of the Podsafe Music Network, available at music.podshow.com.
sorry for the long delay. We've heard a lot over the past. I'm just not going to say that. Yeah, That's not the good decision making. Ill prep. Er, simple sugars are. Simple sugars. <laughs> simple sugars are simple sugars. Simple sugars. <laughs> Basically, they taste sweet. We commonly know of glucose. We need to put a break in there for edit. Simple oh, sugars okay. taste sweet. Simple sugars are uh, fructose, the mo, the and sucrose, which is table table sugar. 